years ago, Mrs. Thatcher recognised the truth behind the European project. No, no, no. I will be advocating uh, We're going to make them pay for that wall. Upon it depends our own British life and the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. British, part four. No siblings, no dad, a distant mum and an expensive school leads to him. Bad social skills and an easy target. My school prided itself in having more than two-thirds of its students from overseas. So two out of three students felt superior. Two out of three students would speak of daddy's steel empire, or daddy's royal family, or daddy's friends in high places. Two out of three students saw the humiliation of a lonely child as an easy route to popularity and respect. Fucking foreign languages followed by laughing, pointing, shoving. And it's the same today. But instead of laughing at me, they're laughing at my country. Moment number two. A moment which resulted from Britain standing against hate and prejudice, sheltering the people who suffered from it. It was a night, a night that marked the beginning of a country's progression down a dark path. The 19th of November 1938, Crystal Night. In one evening, the Jewish population of Germany and Austria suffered an attack, an assault, by the paramilitary wing of the German Nazi party. A party that had grown from hate, from ignorance unchecked. One thousand synagogues burned, seven thousand Jewish businesses damaged or destroyed, and 30,000 Jews arrested and incarcerated. It was called the Crystal Night because the pavements glittered with the smashed glass from shop window. Five days after that night, the British government began to plan for the transport of Jewish children from areas where their life might be threatened to the relative safety of Britain. It was called the Kinder Transport. 10,000 children were placed in foster homes, farms, school. We protected them. Britain saved them. If you are scared of something you don't know, then know it. Teach yourself about it. It's so stupid to deal with not understanding, with violence, with fights, with war. War. There are always people in need of help. Always people to help. If you're safe, if you're secure, then you can start making other people that too. If you have the only shelter that's tough enough to protect in storm, you fit as many people in as possible. If you don't, you will have space, but you will be alone. If you do, you will forever know that you did good, and you will have friends, 
friends are good to have. When I get to Britain, I will build a storm shelter and make it tough. It's tough. The world, history, bloody humanity. But we're all in it together, aren't we? Haven't we learned that by now? Has there seriously been a single genocide in history where afterwards people have said, oh, great job lads, the world's looking better already. Has anything ever been gained from pitting ourselves against an enemy purely based on where he's from, from picking someone that might be a bit different and thinking, yes, him, he's a dickhead. What we do gain from is working together, helping each other out. And is that such a ridiculous concept? Not really. Our earliest memories are happy ones because all we want is new friends, before our views on people are perverted by stereotypes, before we listen to loud voices that shout the wrong things, before we believe in someone, just because they drink a pint at the local and tell us they're just saying what everyone else is thinking. Nigel Farage. Now there's a politician. A man who won't bow to the stifles of our easily offended society, who will speak for the people that are going unheard, who will actually ask the hard questions instead of saying what is safe. Farage, Trump, Palin, even Katie Bloody Hopkins, names that you know because the public that supposedly hate them have kept them in the spotlight. They're controversial, politically incorrect, harsh, aggressive, but they're patriots. They care about their country and they won't lose it without a fight. And that's all they're doing, fighting. They did it with words, I did it. If you back a dog into a corner, eventually it bites and the walls have been closing in for some time now. I'm lucky. I have money. Diamond construction gives me that, but the workers of this country, the little people, the voiceless people, the ones that are losing jobs to the Polish, losing factories to the Chinese, losing identity to the bloody Muslims, they are the ones that get overlooked. I would rather stand up for them than the foreigners that are responsible for their own mess. Blame, fault, responsibility. Those words are vaccines for guilt. Used daily to absolve the innocent from having to do something, anything. If a kid dies or a family is broken, the first thing we want to know is who did it? How did it happen? Where lies the blame? Of course we want to know if the survivors are fine, but first we want to check it's not our fault then we accept it as an unfortunate event, a tragedy. If we weren't a cause, then why should we be the solution? It's not immoral, it's not vindictive, it's logical. 
necessary. It's their fault their country's a mess, so why should we put ourselves out to help them? Somalia was a country that survived on fishing. The coast was wealthy with nourishment and so families were raised on a pantry of the sea. Western fishing companies arrived, pillaged the waters, left and now the Somalians bring home empty nets. Now the Somalians don't have food for their table. Now Somalian fathers resort to piracy to provide for their family. A peaceful country broken because of us. And that's one example, one piece of evidence in a crime scene on a global scale. Energy demands allowing climates to break, financial greed allowing economies to crumble, aesthetic wants allowing children to slave us. Allowing a society to evolve into structured inequality. The fault is ours. We aren't born this way. But when do we lose our innocence? Our compassion? What made us alive? I wasn't born this way. I wasn't a three-year-old sitting in the sandpit discussing the dangers of Islam. Mum never really cared either way. For her, if the news is upsetting, then it's a quick flick of a channel and an expulsion of the thought from the mind. I was moulded into this. Forged in the fires of a country in a cultural war. I am what is needed, a requirement, a necessity. And that's why I did it. That's why I took our future into my own hand. It's war. I've already told you that. The task at hand is to remind the country who the enemy is. There were two doors into the mosque, both opening out onto the street. I parked a truck from work against one loaded bricks from the back against the other. Man is small, but his actions can be massive. Remember? I soaked a rag in petrol, stuffed half of it into a canister, and threw it into the window. Three days. Three enemies removed from the battlefield. Three glowing beacons showing the masses who the insurgents in our country are. I like to think Dad was watching me proud. I fought for his side. All I have of him is the fact he was British. All I have of him is the knowledge that he was British and proud.
British and proud. That phrase is dirty now, isn't it? Broken for the masses by the few that use it to further fascist ideologies. They march with their skinheads and thick black boots, those tight trousers and bloody braces. Braces! They could have picked a more menacing uniform, you know? Because you're thinking, though, just how ridiculous it all is. That these neo-Nazi white supremacist dickheads all sit down around a table to decide their outfit. They all share some tea and scones and discuss what was in right now. Oh, those boots look great, Jeremy. Thanks, George. I was thinking of making him our thing. It really says, I hate black people. Oh, that sounds great. What about braces? Oh, I would love that. Braces really complement my figure. It must be scary, though. Live in a world where everyone that doesn't look like you is an enemy. It must be lonely too. What made them like that? Sometimes I think it might be wrong of me to judge. I've had a good life. Not easy, but good. Full of luck. Maybe these types just wanted to fit in. Find somewhere they put in. That's a laugh though. To fit in with people you have to hate people. Funny that. It's funny then, isn't it? The only thing I know about my father is that he's British and proud. Mum never liked to talk about him. I think she missed him too much. I mean, there are pictures and I know his name and what he used to do, but... I don't know him. When I was young, I was going through boxes in the attic. I found one with his name on. Mum must have moved it there to stop herself from being reminded. It was mostly full of photos, tattered books and old clothes. It had a Union Jack inside. A massive one. One that you would see on top of Buckingham Palace. A proper flag. On this flag there were three letters. G. B. P. Three letters that represented the only clue I've ever had as to who my dad truly was. Who half of me is Those letters have always stayed with me. G. B. P. It could be a political party, a working man's club. It could be the bloody initials of a restaurant. It doesn't matter. It was something. Something that was his. See, it's what the letters symbolise. That was worth so much more than whatever they could mean. My dad, the man I never knew, was so proud of Britain he had a personalised flag. It may be a piece of fabric with stripes on it to you, but to me, 
me, it's him saying that this is what is most important. That his Britishness is the one thing he could give me that wasn't money or a surname. One thing that wasn't hollow. Hungary was hollow after Warren. We thought it good thing, a blank canvas for us to paint masterpiece. We thought life would get better. We thought that no more Nazis meant no more persecution, no more hate. We thought wrong. Quick as fast my country was traded off like a cheap piece of jewelry and became part of a great Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was not so great. It damned to bring the secret police that bring the hate again. Life got worse than it was during the war. Food was less, money was less, jobs was less, freedom. What people everywhere had just died for was left. Hungry stay, broken machine. I started to plan my trip to Britain a few years ago with help from Mr. Amo. I had married and I knew if I had family hungry would not be safe enough. One day I in bookstore talking to Mr. Amos, thinking how I can get out of country. The next day I come to broken door, burnt house. I never see my friend again and I know not to try and find out what happened. A found neck is full of you. The walls have ear. For a year I tried to accept that I will never leave this country. That I must make do with what I've got, as they say. And then... Just as I begin to accept, everything changes. Thanks for listening to this episode of British. If you feel moved by any of the themes in this radio play, please visit www.refugee-action.org.uk to learn more about how you can make Britain a safer place.